Everyone has questions. Why am I here? Where will I go when I die? Is there really truth? But not everyone has biblical answers. Welcome to The Pastor Study, a ministry of pastorstudy.org. Join us now as we study the Bible to draw closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Pastor Tom Brock. Welcome to The Pastor Study. Today we talk about how to get out a difficult demon. Maybe you've got a demon in a sense that maybe you've got a certain habit or problem in your life that you've battled for years and you prayed about it and it's still there. Well today let's look at the scriptures and see how Jesus got out a difficult demon. Turn with me to Mark chapter 9 and let's pray before we begin. Lord Jesus, you are the great deliverer from sin, and we would pray that you would set people free from sin that are watching this show. Whatever demon or issue or addiction they battle, Lord, help them, Lord, to get the victory. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Mark chapter 9. Before I read this, let me set it up. The transfiguration has just happened. Jesus took Peter, James, and John, only three of the disciples, on top of the mountain. Jesus starts to shine in all of his glory. They had never seen this before. It was a mountaintop experience. They go back down the hill, and then this happens. Mark chapter 9, verse 14. And when they, Jesus, Peter, James, and John, came to the disciples, the rest of the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them, and the scribes were arguing with them. Here's the first lesson. <laughs> right after a mountaintop can come a valley. This is not going to be a good story now that happens. Sometimes right after a great relationship with God and a great mountaintop experience with God is when the devil will come at you the hardest. And it's, it's, you can be the most susceptible to temptation right after a victory. So if you've had a good mountaintop experience for God, hallelujah, but be careful, stay humble, don't think it couldn't happen to me, and here's what happens. And, and immediately, all the crowd, when they saw Jesus, were greatly amazed and ran up to him and greeted him. And he asked them, what are you arguing about with them? And someone from the crowd answered him, teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute, a demon. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down, and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able. Here's the next lesson. Faulty disciples do not make Jesus faulty. Because the disciples can't get the demon out doesn't mean that Jesus can't get the demon out. I know of a certain church that went through a horrible split they had a difficult pastor who did stuff he shouldn't have done. Lots of people got angry and left the church. And then I heard a lot of the people that left aren't going to church anywhere. And no, listen, don't do that. If you have to leave your church for some reason, okay, but go somewhere. We don't go to church to worship the disciples. They're faulty. We go to church to worship Jesus. <clears throat> I remember an old pastor telling me, he visited an older gentleman trying to get him to come to church. 
And when he invited them to church, <clears throat> this old man took out a yellowed piece of paper and say, Pastor, do you see this piece of paper? It's a letter from my old church. And they said, because I don't go to church anymore, I can't be a member of their congregation. Well, if they're going to treat me like this, I'm never going to church again. Oh, you know what I would have said to that man? Sir, that yellow piece of paper, your eternal excuse not to go to church, is not going to stand up on Judgment Day. And if you've been hurt by the church and you've stopped going to church, can I politely tell you, get over it forgive and go somewhere to church because we don't go to church to worship the disciples they're faulty we go to church to worship jesus verse 19 and jesus answered them "O faithless generation how long am i to be with you how long am i to bear with you in other words he's discouraged that the disciples can't get the demon out here's the next lesson doubting disciples discourage jesus when you doubt God's power, you discourage Jesus. Do you know that the Bible teaches you can make God sad? It says this, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. And so when you sin, we shouldn't only pray, God, forgive me for hurting other people, for hurting myself. We should also pray, God, forgive me, I hurt you. Verse 19, and Jesus said, bring him to me. Here's the next lesson. Bring your wounded children to Jesus. And I get emails like this. Pastor Brock, pray for my son. He's gone into the homosexual lifestyle. He won't talk to me anymore because I won't affirm what he's doing. Uh, and I get these heartbroken emails. And all I can tell people is, Bring those wounded children to Jesus. When they're young, bring them to Sunday school, to church, and when they're old and out of the house, bring to them, them to Jesus through prayer, but continually bring them to Jesus. And are you a godparent? Do you know what the job of the godparent is? Your job is to bring your, grand, your godkids to Jesus. And so, you, you know, my godparents have never once, one of them is dead now, but the other is about 90 years old. She has never once acknowledged that she's my godparent. And you, you know, your job as the godparent, your job is to pray for your godchildren. Your job is to be a witness. And like I'm a godfather to about six people and I pray for them. When, and when they were growing up, I'd send them Christian magazines, Christian presents, and, and, and on a rare occasion, I'll still try to get something, you know, because some of them are, are wandering. But bring your wounded children and your wounded godchildren to Jesus. Verse 20, and they brought the boy to him and when the spirit saw Jesus, immediately it convulsed the boy, and he fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood, and it has often cast him into the fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said, if you can, all things are possible for one who believes. Here's the next lesson. Never pray if you can. <laughs> Here's the way we pray. God, I know you can. You're God. You're big. God, I know you can do this. Many years ago, I heard an old Presbyterian pastor do this, and I still remember this sermon illustration. Here it is. He said, 
in the beginning, God rolled up his sleeves and God took a lump of clay. And he took that clay and rolled it into a few small balls and he threw it out to create the heavens and the earth. Then he took one little ball called the earth and with his little fingernail, he carved out the great depths of the oceans, carved the heights of the Himalayas. He flicked the dust from his fingers to cause more stars to fill the sky. He looks again at the earth. He fills the oceans with all kinds of swarming creatures. He populates the land with all kinds of vegetation, every kind of animal you can imagine. And all in the palm of his hand, God maintains and, and sustains all the galaxies, all the solar systems, all the constellations that spin throughout infinite space. Now, is God big enough for your problem? <laughs> Never pray if you can. We always pray, God, I know you're God. You can do this. And then look again what it says in verse 24. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. Here's the next lesson. Our faith is mixed with unbelief. You know, I'm glad it says in Acts 16, believe in the Lord Jesus and you shall be saved. I'm real glad that it doesn't say, believe in the Lord Jesus perfectly and you will be saved. Because nobody believes perfectly. Even the strongest Christian, we all have doubts mixed in with our faith. Follow this. A man is walking down the stream. He wants to get to the other side. There's a plank going across the stream. Now this man has faith. He knows that plank will get him across. He doesn't see that on the underside of the plank it's all kinds of cracks. But he has strong faith. He barrels out on the plank, gets halfway across, it breaks, he drowns. Man number two comes walking down the stream. He wants to get to the other side. There's a second plank and this one is strong and firm. Now, this man has faith, but not much, and he puts his foot on it and he tests it. And then he inches out a couple inches on it, and then he gets halfway across, and then he gets all the way across, and, he, and he's saved. Now, here's my point. You can have strong faith, but if the object of your faith is invalid, your faith is invalid. If you have strong faith, Buddha's going to save you. He's not going to save you. Or, this is the good news, you can have weak faith like we Christians have, but if the object of our faith, Jesus, is strong, you're going to make it across that, that plank. So, um, all of our faith is mixed with doubt. And look again, he says in verse 24, the, man, the dad, I believe, help my unbelief. Here's the next lesson. Pray for the gift of faith. You know that your faith is not something you work up on your own. If my faith was up to me to keep it, I'd lose it in a second. God is the one who grants faith. So if you feel your faith is starting to lose, you just got to pray, God, strengthen my faith, help my unbelief. <laughs> That's what the Father is doing in this verse. You know, I got, a, uh, I got an email <clears throat> a while ago. Pastor Brock, I am a believer but I've lost the assurance of my salvation. I'm not sure I'm going to heaven. And she said, I haven't been in church for years, but how do I get the assurance of my salvation back? And I, I wrote her back and I said, you gotta go to church. You, you know, don't buy the lie that you can be a, church, a Christian without the church. There are no Lone Ranger Christians. 
all of our faith is mixed with doubt. And normally the way God gives you the gift of faith is by being in a Christian congregation where you hear the word of God preached, where you have other Christians supporting you. Don't try to be a Christian on your own. Some people say, well, I can be, who's, where does it say in the Bible, I can, I can be a Christian without going to church. And I say to them, you show me that verse in the Bible. I'll show you this verse, Hebrews chapter 10, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together in church. Again, God gives us the gift of faith, but he normally does that in community with the church. Verse 25, And when Jesus saw that the crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out, and the boy was like a corpse, so that most of them said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? And Jesus said to them, This kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. And here's the main lesson. To get out a difficult demon, you need prayer. And you might say, But I've prayed about this so many times and it's still a problem for me. Well, all I can tell you is keep praying. Because according to this verse, the way to get out a difficult demon is prayer, prayer, and prayer. What I want to do for the last part of the sermon is just share with you some helps on developing a prayer life. Maybe you pray now and then, but it's not much of a prayer life. Can I give you some helps on how to develop a prayer life? Help number one, get a regular time. Get a habit. I pray in the morning. And if I don't do it in the morning, often it doesn't get done. So I have a habitual time when I pray. Maybe you're a night person, you do it in the evening. It doesn't matter when. But get some habit, some time you normally pray during the day. C.S. Lewis said this, The moment you wake up each morning, all your wishes and hopes for the day rush at you like wild animals. And the first job each morning consists in shoving it all back, in listening to that other voice, taking on that other point of view, letting that other larger, stronger, quieter life come flowing in. So get a regular prayer time. A second thing to say about a prayer life, get real. When you talk to God, he knows everything anyway. You might as well talk to him about it. I try to get gut honest when I'm talking to God. And you know, I never pray, O thou who dost, O the most omniscient, omnipotent. You, know, you don't have to pray to God like that. Just pray, Heavenly Father, and then, then say your prayer. And, and people ask the question, well, who do I pray to? God the Father, God the Son, or God the Holy Spirit? Well, God is one God, so you can pray to each person of the Trinity. But the norm is, you pray to God the Father in Jesus' name at the end of your prayer. So you, again, you can pray directly to the spirit to Jesus, but the norm is Heavenly Father and then close your prayer in Jesus' name. Another thought on prayer. Get a variety. I tend to pray the same thing all the time. So sometimes, because I can get kind of bored with my prayer life, sometimes I say, God, ditto. You know what I normally pray for? Okay, ditto, just do all that. And then I just pray off my heart to the Lord. That's okay to do. <laughs> And, you know, mix things up. Sometimes pray on your knees. 
Sometimes go for a walk and pray. Sometimes you're driving, turn off the radio and just pray as you drive. Some days you lay on your bed and pray, but it's okay to have a variety that way. And then I kind of mix it up this way too. I have a certain day of the week that I normally pray for missionaries. I have another day of the week when I pray for uh, the persecuted church. And then I'll have a day when I pray for my lost loved ones that I want to come to Christ. So um, mix it up. Another thought on prayer. Get with others. You know, I hope you pray alone. But I also hope you have a little group of Christians that you can pray with. Because you know the Lord's Prayer, Our Father, forgive us our trespasses, lead us. That to me sounds like a prayer that was supposed to be prayed with other people. So pray alone, but I hope you're part of a little group that you can pray with others. And next thought on prayer, last thought on prayer, get grateful. <laughs> I'm kind of turn. I'm getting old, and I have a buddy that I've known since we were 12 years old, and he, his, we're the same age, but his birthday was a couple of months before mine, and I was kind of bummed out about how old I'm getting, and he's a Christian friend, and I said to him, Irv, you got any words of advice as we're getting so old? And he said just two words that I thought were from the Lord. Be grateful. And that just, you know, can I tell you maybe the best habit I've ever developed? I started this years ago. I still do it every night. Before I go to bed, I think back on the day and I think of five things that I'm grateful for that God did for me that day. Some days I, I just praise him that I'm saved and thank you that I'm still saved or, or thank you, Lord, that, uh, that I didn't get hurt in that accident uh, that almost happened today. You know, just think back on the day and think on five things for which you are grateful and pray them out to God. All right, let's sum it up. How do you get out a difficult demon? You pray. And you pray and pray if it's still not out, but pray till you die. And, and here are some thoughts. Get a daily quiet time. Get real when you pray. Get a variety. Get with others when you pray. And then get grateful. Think of five things and pray them to God that you're grateful for before you go to bed tonight. I'll share one more thing here. Uh, years ago, when I was a young pastor, I was about 30 years old. This is still when you could smoke on the airplane. I said a prayer, Lord, put me next to someone if I'm supposed to share the gospel. I get on the airplane. I'm sitting next to a man probably in his 50s. He was very nervous before the plane took off. And the plane takes off, and the second he can do it, he says, Stewardess, please, I'd like a drink. And she brought him some mixed drink, and then he's lit up a cigarette, turns to me. Well, young man, what do you do for a living? I said, I'm a Lutheran pastor. <laughs> he looks at his drink, he looks at his cigarette and says, this always happens to me. My mother is a Christian and she's always praying for me. Well, it was a two hour flight. We had a long, deep talk about the Lord and I explained the gospel to him. And I said, you know, I'm a sinner. I deserve to go to hell. But God loved me so much that he came to earth, became a human being, went to the cross to pay for my sin. He stopped me. He said, wait a minute, you're a pastor. I said, yes. What do you mean you're a sinner? I said, I'm a sinner. I deserve to go to hell. But I know that because Christ died for my sins, rose from the dead, through faith in him, my sins are forgiven. I had a good, long talk. 
and I tell you, you kind of, I, I kind of agreed. Mom's prayers put me next to this guy. And you know what he said before the plane landed? He said, I'm a professional fisher, fisherman. I take groups out to teach them how to fish. If I take you out for free, would you talk to me more about these things? I said, I sure will. Now, he never called. <laughs> I don't know whatever happened to him. But listen, your prayers for your unsaved loved ones do more than you think, not less than you think. I've got this hanging on my wall from Alfred Lord Tennyson. More things are wrought by prayer than this world dreams of. I'm going to say it again. Your prayers do more than you think, not less than you think. And, and one last, last thought here. Back in the 19, early 1900s, there was a cotton factory in the South. And a lot of uh, women mostly sat at these big looms, these big machines uh, for the cotton factory. There's a sign on the wall, if your threads get tangled, ring for the foreman. So a new woman is, is working, she's just got her job, she's doing the machine and things get tangled, so she stops, she tries to untangle the threads. And the more she tries, the worse it gets. Finally, she rings the button. Foreman comes down. Uh, you tried to fix this yourself, didn't you? Well, yes, she said, but I was just doing the best I could. And he said, no, you didn't. The best you can do is to ring for me. Do you know the best thing you can do for yourself, for your loved ones, for people with demons? The best thing you can do is every day Ring for your foreman. Amen. Welcome to the portion of the pastor study where we now ask Pastor Brock to share with us his knowledge of scripture and his insights to answer questions we have regarding the Bible and our Lord and our everyday walk with him. Pastor Brock, is every spirit a demon? Well, you've got You've got humans, <laughs> you can see the humans, then you've got the invisible things called the angels, which are good things, and then you've got the demons. And the person asked, is a spirit a demon? Well, when the New Testament talks about evil spirits, they're talking about demons. This person just told me that her unbelieving relatives were in a cabin watching a movie, and this elderly person walked out of the closet and then walked through the walls. And she asked, was that a demon? Well, it was either an angel or a demon, um, but it, it's, it, it, you know, some of this stuff, we don't know what all of it is, but that's about the best I can tell you. <laughs> so do you believe in literal demons or is it something else, like a medical condition or Yeah, something? you know, I'll tell you, Jackie, I was raised a uh, Missouri Synod Lutheran. I had a very conservative pastor for my confirmation past, uh, pastor. But I remember when we were 12 years old sitting in confirmation class, you know, uh, our pastor taught that demons aren't really demons, it's epilepsy. And they didn't know how to put it in New Testament days, so they thought it was a demon. And so I believe that, but you know what? That does, it, it, that does not hold water. Because how come the epileptics know who Jesus is when nobody else does? I mean, the demons had supernatural knowledge. So it doesn't work to say demon possession is epilepsy or anything else. Uh, it's demon possession. Okay. Why don't we see more exorcisms today then? Yeah, you know, you read the New Testament. Jesus is casting out demons a lot. 
So either one of two things is happening. Either demons are not around that much anymore, or they're around and we are blind to them. <laughs> and, you know, especially missionaries will say that they see demonic activity on the mission <clears throat> field. My guess is it's just as strong in America, but we uh, instead have other ways we explain things away. Okay, this one is going to kind of take it out of this realm of what okay. we're talking about, but is the concept of godparents in the Bible? All right, I, I preached a little bit about godparents. Uh, so, Jackie, are you a godmother to anyone? Do you have any god god kids? You do. All right, uh, you're a godmother, probably to somebody, aren't you? Mm -hmm. Okay, your job when you had the bat when you were at the baptism, you promised to be a witness. And when a godparent promises to be a witness at a baptism, you're promising to pray for this child, give them the Christian witness. So now the question is, you're asking, is it in the Bible? No. So, you know, you don't have to have godparents to have a baptism. Um, but it's a tradition of the church, and I think it's a good tradition because it helps in inspire a kid to follow Christ. So. Okay. You know, I think, too, though, Becoming a grandparent makes you realize how important it is to pay, pray for the children in your life. Indeed. Yeah. yeah. Should a person pray on their knees or, I mean, some mm -hmm. people like to sit in a chair mm -hmm. and that is there anything that says mm -hmm. you shouldn't do something? You don't have to pray on your knees. Um, Jesus did in the Garden of Gethsemane. Paul prayed on his knees. Now, it doesn't say they prayed all the time on their knees. So I think it's fine to sit on a chair and pray or lay in your bed and pray or take a walk and pray. But periodically, Jackie, I love to get on my knees and pray because it focuses me. You know, I guess I'm one of those people that doesn't necessarily like to pray in front of other people. Mm -hmm. Is there something wrong with that? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I guess I just kind of sort of feel like my prayer time is my time alone with God and mm -hmm. not necessarily just with the group. Mm -hmm. And you get this a lot of uh, people, you know, Pastor Brock, I pray, but don't make me pray in front of a group. And my, my thought to that is just start doing it. Eventually it's no big deal. And I've seen people who don't pray in front of a group and then they just start now and then chiming in and then eventually they're, they're comfortable with it. This is one of those things you just kind of got to jump in and do. But it, it's, it's great to pray with other Christians. Some people think uh, thank God for even the awful things. Is that a good thing to do? I think it is. Uh, the Bible says, praise the Lord in all things, for this is the will of Christ of God in Christ Jesus for you. And Romans 8.28, Jackie, says, God works all things together for those who love him. So, Jackie, if I get in a car accident, you know, anything like that, I praise God for even the bad stuff. Thanks for being with us, and we pray that God would be with you this week, granting you his richest blessings until we're together again next time. Thank you for watching the Pastor Study. You can watch more of our programs at pastorstudy.org. We are on the air preaching the gospel of Christ because of our generous support of you, our viewers. Would you consider supporting our ministry? You may do so at pastorstudy.org. Or write the Pastor Study, P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota 55441. May the blessing of our one triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you today and always. If you've been blessed by the Pastor Study, 
Would you consider a tax-deductible gift to help us reach more people with the good news of Jesus Christ? You can donate at our website, pastorsstudy.org, two S's, or mail a check to the Pastor's Study, P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota, 55441. May the Lord bless you and have a wonderful week.